Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? We good? We are going to jump right into the last of a series we've been doing called Heirs with Christ. So uh, I started the series off with a scripture from Joshua 18. I just want to read it to you again. It said, The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control. And then verse 2 says this, But there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. And so one of the things as a pastor, I've been doing this about 30-something years, and one of the things that probably drives me crazier than anything else is seeing what is available to us as saints that we are not walking in, right? We see it so oftentimes with immaturity, insecurity, fear, all the things that grip people. Um, And it's bad enough when you're young, (laughs) but it's really bad when you're 50-something years old, you know, and by now, Paul writes this often in the in his letters, by now you ought to be teachers, but I have to come back and talk to you again about the basics and the foundations because you haven't gotten something inside of you yet that's going to lead to you walking in the fullness of your inheritance. So uh, we hear this all the time. Um, a friend of mine, we talk about this at the coffee house a lot. Um, he's, a, he's a pastor. We talk about how often people say things in church as leaders that are are really, really bad, but we don't know it when we, you know, when we say it, it's so common and, and so part of the church culture that we say things like, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, <laughs> which sounds really spiritual and religious, except it's what we would call, you know, um, kindly a doctrine of demons, <laughs> right? Here's why, because if, if you don't get what's called ortho, uh, orthodoxy, which is right believing, then your orthopraxy, which is how you practice what you believe, will be completely off, right? You ever done that? You ever learned something the wrong way, and then later on somebody said, hey, um, that's not how you do that. (laughs) My favorite is um, my Appalachian daddy who went to the seventh grade, and that was like higher education where he was from, right? He taught me how to tie my shoes. Well, the thing is, my dad didn't even have shoes till he was 14 years old, right? So he was maybe not the best person to teach me how to tie my shoes. Later on in life, I see a YouTube video, and it's about how to tie your shoes. And I'm like, I don't need that, right? I mean, but maybe. (laughs) So I clicked on it. (laughs) And I was like, that's why my shoes come untied all the time. I mean, constantly I'm having to tie my shoes over and over again because I was tying, look, when you do it, you you go over this way when you tie the first part of it, and you don't go the opposite way when you tie, then you you can tell it's wrong because your, your bow goes this way instead of this way. So I learned how to do it right, and can I tell you that my shoes have not come untied since then? I was in my 40s when I learned that, people. So I'm, so I'm saying <laughs> you can believe something the wrong way, and if you do, then how, you're, how you practice it, it just launches from the wrong place. So the, if the foundation is wrong, Jesus talked about that. He said if you build your foundation on sand, it's like, hey, it looks the same until a storm comes. Crisis comes. You know, a person builds a foundation on sand, a person builds a foundation on the rock, The difference isn't noticeable until a crisis hits, until a storm hits. And when a storm hits, what happens? It says the one built on sand is going to fall down, and great will be the fall. Why? Because they built so much and expected it to stand, and the first storm that came through, it just fell down. So we've been talking about how to walk in the inheritance that's been made available to us in Christ. We've talked about a bunch of different things. But my my, kind of what I wanted to leave you with today is, are you really walking in the fullness of your inheritance? Are there things available to you? because maybe you believe something wrong, that you haven't really read your Bible, someone read the Bible to you, and you, you hear scriptures out of context, you don't know the story, you haven't studied to show yourself approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. That's not saying that you're, you're, you have to be ashamed and you're not part of the gospel or you miss Jesus. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're still an immature son, and the Bible, we talked about this during the series, that if you're immature, that you're the same as a slave, even though the whole estate belongs to you. See that picture? And so I just want to encourage you guys, my heart and my passion for you is for you to walk fully in the inheritance that God's made available to you. So last week we talked about the guarantee of our inheritance comes through a deposit of God's spirit in us. And I read a scripture, 2 Corinthians, that says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. You cannot make yourself stand firm So if you've been trying that, you have put yourself under the law, and you're trying to live up rules and regulations, and the rules and regulations just point out how you can't follow the rules and regulations. It's what they were for, and and you're using them wrong, (laughs) right? So so use them for something different. 
Um, it goes on, it says, he anointed us and he set his seal of ownership on us. He did that. You didn't do it. You didn't earn it. He did it. And then it says, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a, dep- a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That he, his spirit living inside you and I, he is the guarantee of everything that God has available to us. And we talked a lot about that last week, talked about the Holy Spirit, who he is, how often we call him the Holy Spirit because we're boomers, and you know, instead of Holy Spirit because he's a person, and so we went after that in a big way. But we want to. What part of what I want you to understand is that your inheritance comes through certain things, and it comes to you in certain ways, and through you in certain ways. And if you get it wrong, you won't walk in your inheritance. And what'll happen is you'll go, God, I don't understand. It, you know, it's not happening the way I thought it ought to. Well, first of all, it doesn't matter what you think. I know you've been told <laughs> that you're amazing, and you are right. But that doesn't mean you're amazing because you're right. You're amazing because you're loved. There's a difference right? <laughs> so, so growing and understanding, learning, and becoming, you know, uh, getting a connection with God and walking by his spirit. The Bible says if you walk by the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you're struggling with a pattern, an old pattern in your life as a believer, and you're like, man, I can't believe that sin keeps popping back up. I keep getting caught up in it again, whether it's anger or fear or pornography or anything like that. You're like, I don't understand why I keep struggling with that. Well, this is why. This is why, because you're living according to the flesh, right? The old patterns, the ways that you learned before you became a believer. And the Bible says if you walk according to the Spirit, that's how you stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Not because you're going to go, I will try harder this time. Well, good luck with that. How's that going for you? Right? (laughs) We're like, I don't know. I'm trying so hard. I'm like, so what you're saying is you're following the law. No, that's not what I said. I said, I'm trying so hard. Okay. (laughs) right so again we go after this in a big way but what i want to do today is i just want to wrap it up with how we receive god's hair how does god's inheritance come to us and then how does god's inheritance come through us so it has to get to us before you know you can't bless somebody else if you're not blessed so if you can't teach somebody maturity you can't walk in maturity i mean someone else can't walk in maturity you can't bring them up in that if you haven't walked in it yourself so you become the ceiling for whatever level of inheritance that, you know, if you, whatever level of inheritance you receive is what you can help other people walk in in their inheritance. So we want to talk about that today and kind of wrap it up with that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about next Sunday and why we're doing what we're doing and how this all relates to what's coming up, so it's going to be fun. So let's start out with to us. How do you receive the inheritance? How does the inheritance come to you? So Paul, in his letters, 13 times, opens with this very interesting passage. This is... Um, uh, this is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. You see where this is going? He, 13 times in his letters. He starts his letters this way, and it says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read that and we say, oh, that's his greeting. Yes and no. It is a greeting. But it's interesting that it starts showing up 13 times in his letters there might be something more to it than just hello, right? So another, what's really interesting is twice this happens in John. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the, uh, the Father, Son, in truth and love. That's Second John. And then in Revelation, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. So you see this pattern go on over and over again. And then you see it in, in Peter, and it gets really interesting in Peter, because Peter's a really interesting guy. I don't know if you've ever read about him. But this is what it says in 2 Peter. It's in both in 1 Peter and 2 Peter in his greeting. This is what it says in 2 Peter. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So here's something really interesting, that part of the way that you receive an inheritance is through grace and peace, Right? And also grace and peace is your inheritance. <laughs> See, how it's, it's, it's really interesting how this works together. So Peter is offering this idea, not only can grace and peace be yours, it can be multiplied to you. How, though? How is it multiplied? In your relationship, in your connection, in your intimacy with God and God our Father through Jesus his Son. See how it works? Hebrews is... The whole book of Hebrews is about how Jesus is preeminent to every other way God has communicated throughout all of time. 
Jesus, he said in, in, in the old times, he spoke through the prophets and through these different ways, but now he has spoken through his son. Now he's finalized. He said, this is my final word on everything through my son, right? So this is how you, you multiply it. So here's the thing. God's not going to give you more, right? It's not like he's, he's holding something up in heaven going, I am withholding this to you until you get your act together and get close to Jesus. Because welcome back under the law again if you go down that road, right? So what's he saying? He's saying as you experience, as you walk in intimacy, as you get to know his character and who he is and how he works and you know the ways of God, the Bible says, he says, I am altogether not like you, but we keep treating him as if he is. We keep saying, God, you know, how come you don't? And God's like, because I'm not like you. And, and I always add not head, but he, that's not in the Bible at all. But I feel like sometimes he wants to say it. Even, he's just smiling. I'm like, he wants to say not head, but because of grace, he won't say not head. But I'll say not head. It's like, because you're a not head, <laughs> right? You're, we're, 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 we keep hearing, the Bible says we're ever learning and not coming to the, to the knowledge of the truth. So part of this is you've got to get these foundations and quit minimizing them and go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on to the advanced stuff. No, no, no. The whole time, Paul said, never move on to the advanced stuff. There isn't any advanced stuff, <laughs> right? The advanced stuff is, do you know Jesus, who he is and what he's done, what happened on the cross, what's been made available to you, and are you walking in relationship with him by his spirit? His spirit's going to reveal everything about him. That's what he says. Part of the role of the Holy Spirit in you is to bring about this inheritance. How does he do that? He's going to teach you everything you need to know about Jesus. You're going to encounter God through God and it's weird because we live inside. In him, we live and breathe and have our being, and at the same time, he is inside of us, right? So it's amazing how this all works, and when you begin to understand it, you start relaxing and go, okay, the key to this is my intimacy with Jesus, and the key to my intimacy with, you know, with God is that my sins have been forgiven, and if you don't believe that, you're never going to come to God. What you're going to do is you're going to sin, because I don't know if you know this, but that saints sin, right? <laughs> that doesn't make you a sinner. That doesn't, that your identity is not in the patterns, your old patterns that maybe come back up. That's not what that is. What's happening is saints sin often because, again, you have the enemy, the devil, who's against you. You have the world, the, the, the spirit of this age, the Bible talks about. It's, it's philosophies and ideologies that are all around us. It's your flesh which is not your heart. That's why it doesn't say your heart. It says the flesh, right? The flesh, what is the flesh? The flesh is simply these old patterns, these understandings that you have about how life works that is altogether not like God, right? And you have to learn new ways. And the Bible says we're transformed because our mind gets renewed. How? I learn about him. I'm reading scripture. I'm, I'm in the presence of God. I'm allowing him to challenge me and talk to me. I'm allowing him to remind me, hey, I love you. Like, Lord, but Lord, if you knew what, I do, what I've done, and God's like, I, I know everything you've done. I've seen you naked. <laughs> and naked is not just no clothes on. Naked is your no clothes on. You're probably doing something you ought to do. I'm just saying God's seen it all. And he still loves you. He's always loved you. And he made a way for you. So if you understand this, then when you sin, not if you sin, but when you sin as a saint, you can come boldly before the throne of grace for help in time of need. Why? Because you need it. And what happens is when you come and you say, Lord, I don't understand why I keep doing this. If you can come boldly, you can come before the presence of God and go, God, I don't understand why I keep done, doing this because I know this is not who I am. Then what will happen is God will start saying, would you like to know why you keep doing this? You're like, no. <laughs> He's like, okay, then let's go around the mountain again. Meet back here next Tuesday, right? Right? But if, but if you're honest and you're ready for change, you're like, okay, there's going to be some co-laboring that I'm going to have to do in this. I'm, there's going to be some things I'm, I'm going to have to do. So let's talk about grace just real quick. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you've been around DCF, you understand grace a little bit anyway. But grace summarizes the gospel. You're saved by grace. Everything comes by grace. Grace in the gospel. Grace is God's unmerited favor on you that you don't deserve his kindness and his goodness, but he gives it to you anyway. Mercy is similar. Mercy is you deserve judgment, but you don't get it. Right? So grace is kind of the sum, sum, summation, is that the word summation, of the whole thing, a summary of the gospel and the good news and everything about that. So that's why we're talking about it a lot. The gospel is that God, in his mercy, sent Christ 
so that sinners can be justified, just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. It's just as if you never did it. So that happens because if you trusted what Jesus did for you on the cross, you placed your trust in him, you're saying, Lord, I trust that you took care of my sin for me. And now that creates a way for me back to the Father. So let's talk about peace real quick. So it's not just peace with God, although that's true. So here's a passage in Romans that speaks to that. Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, not by what you did, but by your belief in what God did for you on the, on the cross, right? We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? But if we're not careful, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, you read passages like that, and here's what you hear when you read that passage. Womp, 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 womp. Charlie Brown's teacher. Anybody familiar with Charlie Brown? I don't know why she can't speak English, but for 50 years that woman can, has not been able to speak English. Because that's what we do. We tune God out, right? And we read a passage like this. is How do I get peace with God? Through, right, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just through Jesus Christ, although that's true. But isn't it interesting, he says, there's this aspect of lordship that you have to come underneath. You have to submit yourself to who Jesus is, what he did on the cross. And then when you do that, something happens. There's a transformation, and you get a new heart. You had a heart of stone, now you get a heart of flesh. It's powerful. So here's what's interesting about this word peace, though. There's so much about this that we don't understand because culturally, the Old Testament and, and the Jewish perspective on peace was the word shalom. When we were in Israel, Karen and I visited Israel, people would greet us with shalom. And we're like, hello to you too, <laughs> right? Because we, we don't know, right? I mean, we did. But I'm, my point is, is what shalom meant to them was not what it meant to us, right? It's just, hey, peace, hey, greeting, hello, how are you, right? But just like the greeting that Paul had, uh, grace and peace to you 13 times, 17 times in the New Testament, it, it, they, they bring that out. There's something about that word that may be a little bit deeper than you might understand. So shalom is a massive concept from Old Covenant theology, Old Testament theology, especially for the Jewish people, with hope tied to it. What does that mean? That meant the fall, the fall of man, Genesis chapter 2 and 3, when, when man falls away, shalom is lost. And when the restoration of all things comes in the, in the minds of the Jewish people, the Messiah is going to come, what's he going to restore? Shalom. Peace. And it's an interesting phrase. It means an everything as it should be peace. That's an interesting phrase. And you know that. You know it because you feel it in this world. When everything is as it should be, you just go, ah. Like when your Wi-Fi is working, you know, right? <laughs> when your Wi-Fi is working and you click on a movie and it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? That you, the world is at, everything is as it should be. When your car's running great, when your husband is not being a knothead, I mean, y'all understand what I'm saying. When everything, something about you know what it ought to be and the peace that, I mean, when you don't have it, it's because something's off, right? Something's off. And what's interesting about that is, is scripturally, Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to give you peace. <laughs> so peace with God comes through what happens with you understanding and believing and being justified by what Jesus did the cross. You get peace with God. But what about the peace of God? Because those are different things. So listen to this. This is Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So here's an idea. The peace of God occurs in the midst of chaos. See, peace, the world's understanding of peace is the absence of conflict, right? And, and when I said, um, you know, peace is as everything, uh, and everything as it should be peace, that's what you thought I meant, the lack of conflict, right? But that's not. It's not what it is. There's something that's more powerful, that in a fallen world, God can give you peace that passes all understanding. In other words, people are looking at you going, your world's a wreck. You lost your job. You know, you start going down this list of things. Why are you at peace? Because it's something that's been given to me. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's, it's a gift that God has given me. It's part of my inheritance in Christ, right? So peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, how? Keeps coming back to this, in Christ Jesus. You want to not have peace? Don't talk to Jesus. <laughs> I 
It's like, I don't, listen, I don't need to read my Bible every day. He still loves me. Very true. Very true. I don't need to go to church. Very true. You, you don't need to do anything. The guy who died on, on the cross next to Jesus gave his life to the Lord, trusted in what Jesus, who Jesus was in, as the Messiah, and he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Never went to a Bible, Bible um, uh, program, went, never went to Bible school, never gave his money to the church, never went to a meeting, never did anything whatsoever, and he went into heaven. But I'll bet if his life, physical life, had been spared that day, I bet he would have been an apostle. Right? So, Ephesians 1.6, I want to change gears a little bit right here. Ephesians 1.6 uses this really interesting phrase. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And again, sometimes when you read the Bible, if you're not careful, you just glaze right over it and you, and you go womp, 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 womp. Don't do that. <laughs> go look this up in other passages, other translation, paraphrases, get into commentaries, get into something that helps you understand the context and what it all looks like. So here's what he's saying in that. So let me say it again. To the praise of the glory of his grace, that this is the ultimate goal of the universe. Like everything comes back to not just we're going to praise God, but we're going to praise God because of his grace. And you are a trophy of that grace. Our, our inheritance, Christianity, what we have here and now and what we're going to have in the future is the fulfillment of the shalom from the Old Testament. The longed-for shalom peace comes to fruition and is experienced now and forever in Christ in the gospel. This is where this real peace comes from and where this real grace comes from. Remember it says, grace to you and peace from, our God, from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter says, your, this grace and peace is going to be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As you learn of him. What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't say, pray this prayer and you're good. right? But that's what the church has said for too many years. You should just pray, man, do, do the fire insurance, you're good. And then you go party like a rock star and you still get to go to heaven. Like, that's really? That's how that works? We're like, no, but you know, we don't know what it means, so we'll do, we're doing the best we can. But it's not what it means. He said it, it can grow, this experience. God's not give you more. He's not, he's not holding anything back in heaven. He's given it all through his son on the cross. But why don't you have it is the question. And so often it's because I've not studied. I've not shown myself approved. I've not walked into this. I've not asked God the tough questions. I've not gotten to know him. I've not studied his character. I've not recognized who he is. I'm not getting to know him. I'm not having intimacy with him. I just have a casual relationship with him, and I wonder why I'm not walking in the inheritance. So that's the inheritance to us comes through grace and peace, obviously. There's so much more to that, but I can't go into all that. I don't have that kind of time. But here's the second part of that. How does God's inheritance not just come to us? Because it'll come to us through grace and peace, but how does it come through us? So I just want to read you a scripture. This is 2 Corinthians. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to reconcile you, and then what I've done in you, I'm going to give to you as a gift to give to other people. So your job then, what's your role as a believer in this world? You are a minister of reconciliation. You get to reconcile. The accounts are out of balance. And you get to tell somebody, look, I know you owe a lot of money. I didn't come here to break your legs. That's the law. Right? I came here to tell you the debt's been paid. Well, I don't think I owe a debt. Then we need to talk about that. Let's get back to breaking your legs. Right? <laughs> Let's talk about the law. You know, thou shalt not. Let's talk about the thou shalt not. Are you shalt notting or are shouting? <laughs> right? And the answer is, you know, I'm not doing so good if I'm honest about that. So if someone's not honest about where they are, just say, hey, man, let me know when you're ready to have your, you know, to recognize that your debt's been forgiven. Right now, you just don't believe you have a debt. That's okay. The Bible says sin's pleasurable for a season, and then the end of it is your legs get broken, right? <laughs> so he says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Then he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. What is that? He literally defines it, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. Here's the beauty of grace, that you have received this truth that says everything you did, every law you ever broke, the fact that you have separated yourself so far from God and that you deserve judgment, even though all that's true, God said in its place, I'm going to give you mercy and then I'm going to give you favor. 
Mercy is you don't get the judgment. Awesome. So many people stop there. Grace is I'm not only not going to judge you for the things you did, I'm going to give you favor for the things you haven't done yet. (laughs) And this makes everybody nervous, and I love it. I really do. So here's the thing. You are a trophy of, this is what God's saying. You're a trophy of grace. When someone says, how can you be so full of peace in such a chaotic world? Because I've been given peace as a gift. How, how can you love people when they're unlovable? Because I've been loved when I was un, unlovable. Because I, can, I was loved unconditionally. Therefore, I can love unconditionally. Right? Can't do it unless that's happened to you. Here's another thing that God does. and This is where we're going to kind of make the connection as we go into next week. Why are we doing what we're doing with our, our, our student ministry? Why are we praying for our kids right, as they go into school? So we're going to get to that in just a second. But let me start with another way you receive an inheritance through you. How do you, how do you take the inheritance God's given you and re- release it to others? One is through the ministry of reconciliation. You get to tell the good news. That doesn't take anything other than just your willingness to push past rejection or a fear or that their people aren't going to like you or they're not going to understand or you know that girl on the office was uh, you know really uptight as a Christian so that's how the world thinks about you well that's fine maybe you can change their mind right <laughs> so another way is that God gave gifts gave gifts to us through his spirit remember that down payment so he gave gifts to equip you to load you up with weapons so you could fight abilities and skills, this release of power that you don't have within your own self, that you can't produce this, but God will work it through you, so that you can fulfill the great commission, the great mission that God has sent you on with his son to be a minister of reconciliation. is not just words, but it's also power, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 1, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, says, I would not have you ignorant brethren. That's the King James Version. And it sounds like he doesn't want ignorant brethren, right? But that's not true because he wrote a whole letter to them because he did want them. What he's saying is, I don't want you to be ignorant, which means you can be... (laughs) Aren't you glad it didn't say stupid? Because there ain't no pill for stupid, right? It's like, I can't help you with that. But ignorance can be fixed, thank God. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be ignorant. Brothers, they were believers, they were Christians, and they were doing it all wrong. And he writes this book to them about how to walk in the things of the Spirit in the right way. So let me just show this to you. There's a, I'm going to put, put a big picture up on the screen. The gifts come from the Trinity. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he gives, God gives gifts, right, to men, and then gives those men to the world. And those gifts that he's given to men and women, humanity, that they begin to flow out and they begin to help us build this ministry of reconciliation. So God the Father gives grace gifts, God the Son, fivefold ministry gifts, God the Spirit, spiritual gifts or manifestation gifts we call it. But notice something on this screen up here. There's a common denominator across all three sets of gifts. You notice that? I highlight it so you would notice it. <laughs> so it's prophecy, obviously. Well, what's, what's that all about? What, what in the whole world is, all the, uh, uh, is prophecy all about? It is so misunderstood, it's not even funny. <clears throat> it's so abused so often in the church, um, and I'm going to tell you why that happens. But let me just start with Scripture. This is what Scripture says about that particular gift. Go read 1 Corinthians, especially uh, chapter 12 and 14. It's sandwiched right in the middle with this whole thing about love, which is Paul saying, hey, you're doing gifts wrong because you're not doing them in love. You're trying to use the gifts from the connection with the law. Prophecy was one of those. If you notice, prophecy is also very interesting because prophets were Old Testament, and then they're also prophets in the New Testament, but they're not the same thing. They're similarities, but they're not the same thing, and we're going to get to that. So here's what 1 Corinthians 14 says. Follow the way of love, right? That whole passage, 13, about love, but eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So here's the thing. If you're not walking in prophecy... As a believer, did you not read that passage? If you listen, some of you guys grew up in a cessationist denomination. You were not allowed to believe the scripture. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I didn't. I got saved into a Pentecostal denomination, and we had problems with 1 Corinthians 12, and you know, the whole reason that it was written to the Corinthians, because we were using the gifts sometimes in bad, bad ways, but we at least believed they were there and available to us, right? But if you grew up in a cessationist denomination, you were told 
Prophecy ended because we don't need it anymore. The gifts of the Spirit ended. We don't need it anymore because, you know, that which is perfect has come. Now that which is not perfect is going to be done away with, except it talks about knowledge, and knowledge isn't done away with. The whole point behind all that is that which is perfect is when you and I are all in heaven, when Jesus comes and he takes us all back, there will be no need for healing. Right? There will be no need for prophecy or tongues and interpretation or miracles, there won't be any need for any of these gifts. But I don't know if you just look around you right now, and you will see there's a need for these gifts, right? So, eagerly desire. Another version says, but he who prophesies edifies the church. He said, another place, verse 12, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Verse 39, therefore, brothers, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. And yet whole denominations forbid speaking in tongues. I'm like, you should read that <laughs> and do what it says. So let me just jump into three aspects of prophecy. And here's why I'm, I'm focusing on this. This is one of the gifts that God has given us, the manifestation gifts and, and that the Holy Spirit gives us. It's a gift, right? So next week, we're going to get into this with our kids' ministry, our student ministry, and everybody. We're, we're doing it primarily to really pour into our kids. Why? Not, and let me just position this well, because so often we're like, oh, let's get on the defensive. Look how bad the world is. We're sending our kids in, you know, and the culture and the ideologies, and, you know, they're going you know, to be told things about their identity that are not true, and yes, all those things are true. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm sending you in as like lambs among wolves. I am sending you into a place, and the picture is going to look like a lamb amongst wolves, except for there's a lamb that's a lion who lives inside of you, right? And so we're going to get into that. But three aspects of prophecy as we go into this, revelation, interpretation, and application. So next week, we're going to have stations set up. We're going to pray over some people or pray over everybody. But what we're doing as we're praying is we're asking the question, God, what do you have to say? What are your thoughts and your heart for Karen? Because what is prophecy? Prophecy is hearing from God um, his priorities in this world. It's hearing what is God saying for Karen's future, right? Prophetic oftentimes talks about the future. What's he saying about Karen's future? What is he saying about who she is and her identity? What does he want to speak to her? What does he want to remind her of? What does he want to tell her about her inheritance that may be different than mine in terms of her personality and her calling and her gifts and her desires and everything that makes her personal to him, right? And then God you can use me to speak into my wife's life in amazing ways. He can use us to speak into our kids' lives. So next week, we're going to pray over the kids, and what we're really going to do is we're going to prophesy over our kids, right? And we're going to prophesy over you guys, because we're gonna, you get in the back of the line, right, because we're going to focus on the kids, but we're not going to leave anybody out. We're going to pray for everybody, prophesy, minister to everybody. So what are we doing? What we're doing is we're saying, God, what are you saying about these people? So we're asking you right now as the body, pray this week. Ask the Lord, all of our kids, Lord, what are you saying about our kids? Name them by name. Lord, what is it that you're saying? And God's going to drop some stuff in your heart. Often it'll come as a, as a picture. Sometimes it'll be a scripture. Sometimes it'll be a, a word. Sometimes it'll be a color, if you can imagine that. God uses all of these things. His, we we talk, talk about the Spirit's language. We, we taught into that. And he speaks into this stuff so that we can take what's in God's heart and it's priority for those people's lives, and we can speak it into their lives. So here's the thing. If you are a believer, it's probably not going to surprise you what people say to you in a prophetic word. Why? Because God's been trying to say this to you the whole time, and you're fighting him over it. God says, you're, you're the head and not the tail. Yeah, but I don't feel like the head. I feel like the tail. That's why I'm trying to say it. <laughs> like a hundred times I've said this to you. I wrote it in the Bible, and I keep saying it. And now this random person comes up to you and quotes this scripture or says, hey, man, I was praying for you, and I felt like the Lord said, right? We don't come and go, and the Lord would say to his people. Why don't we do that? Because it's not a helpful way to do prophecy. Okay? It's not wrong. It's God trying to say something to them, but if we're not careful, we, we, we'll mess some of this up. So God says, I'm going to give you the prophetic, but you have to walk in it. Remember Corinthians, I want you to walk in this in a way that's built out of love. Why? Because the Old Testament version of prophecy was partnered with the law. Right? But the New Testament prophet and prophecy is partnered with grace. So they come out different. If you notice, the Old Testament... A lot about direction, which the New Testament prophecy is still about direction in many, many ways. But the Old Testament was also a lot about judgment. Why? Because it was partnered with the law. 
But New Testament prophecy is not partnered with the law, so it's partnered with grace. It's partnered with love. That's the whole point of 1 Corinthians 12, sandwiching 12 and 14 with everything about love. If you do it outside of love, you're doing it wrong, right? So here's a couple of ideas. Here, let me just give you an example. Um, so there's a guy named Jack Deere. Um, he was a Old Testament, um, he was professor of Old Testament at Dallas Theological Seminary. Don't know if you're aware of this. We have some people who actually attended Dallas. The, hey, Susan. <laughs> so, and she had a similar encounter to Jack Deere, which is really interesting. So in this, in this place, you could not, again, you could not prophesy. You could not walk in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. Still can't to this day. It's, uh, it's, it's not allowed. So he was asking God. He read some scripture, and he said, I, I see you're trying to do some stuff that maybe we don't understand um, Lord, do you want to do that? And the Lord's like, yeah, I really do. And so he started doing it, and then Jack Deere got in trouble. So here's an example. He's, he's, the guy comes in, one of his grad students comes in, sits down. He's pastoring a big church, uh, and he's teaching him in seminary. And he said he's talking to him. He's been asking God about the gifts. And he said right in front of him, there's this big picture or this big word above him that says pornography. So again, God drops it into his heart. He sees a picture, words, says pornography. So he tries to do this thing without courage. Right? Tries to weasel his way. Is anything bothering you? Nope. Anything you're struggling with? Nope. You think he's going to tell them? If, he, if you tell that in certain, certain circumstances, there won't be any grace for you. There will be only judgment. Everything gets taken away. It's dangerous. So he's like, Lord, I really believe this is you. And then the, it starts blinking. So it's, it, it shows up in big block green letters. I don't know. And then it starts blinking. Ding, 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 ding. So he said, I can't make it go away. He said, now, I'm a, now I have to take a risk. So he says, I, either God did it or he didn't. I believe he did, so I'm going to take a risk. And he said, son, I, I, feel like, I feel like the Lord's saying to me that you're struggling with pornography. And if he's saying that to me, then that means he wants to break you out of that. And there's like 20-second pause where Jack Deere's like, I'm going to lose my job. My career's down the toilet. They're going to label me a Pentecostal and a charismatic. Oh, help me, Jesus. Right? He didn't say any of that, <laughs> but he was nervous. And all of a sudden, the guy starts crying. Oh, I've been struggling with that for 15 years. Can't tell anybody. If I do, I'll lose my ministry. I'll lose my family. I'll lose everything. So Jack Deere reminds him, here's ministry, right? Prophecy, the gifts of the Spirit in love, not judgment. Hey, buddy. Turns out God knew you were struggling with it the whole time. <laughs> right? Why would he say it? Why would he tell me that you're struggling with this sin? Right? So I could judge you? Is that why? No, of course not. So I could, set, I could see you set free. So he said, if, if the Lord, if the Spirit of God has the power, the supernatural power, to reveal to me this truth in a supernatural, miraculous way, wouldn't you think he has the power to break you out of this, to set you free from it? He's like, yeah. He goes, then let's do that. So he prays for him, and he said, he watched this, Guy graduate, finish everything. He said, to my knowledge, that guy not never struggled with pornography again, but was never caught up in it and bound up in it like he was before. That's the beauty of it, right? So many things I could tell you about how God works. One example, speaking to next Sunday, we're going to pray over kids. One example, we had a little girl in our youth ministry up in Atlanta, and she was very, she was very quiet. She's a very mature young girl. Her mom and dad were elders in the church. She's a very mature young woman. Um, and we were praying over it, and we, I, we see daggers and swords and shields and caw. And we're, praying, we're like, oh, that's, um, I feel like God says you're a warrior. Well, that can't possibly be true because her natural inclination doesn't look like that. Right? So the Bible says, we have all heard this scripture, raise up a child, train up a child in the way he should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. So some of that is teach them the ways of God, the ministry of reconciliation. But here's the other thing for you parents. As we pray for our kids next week, for you leaders, for you people who want to participate and minister to other people, what is the Lord saying about these kids that may not be apparent on the outside? Because you're not raising them up in the way you think they should go or training them up in the way you think they should go, but in the way God made them. He made them very specific. If you have two kids, you'll notice they're not the same, right? They're very, very different. So it's important. So the aim of prophecy, edification, encouragement, comfort, 
The Old, Old Testament prophecy was based and connected to the law. New Testament is connected to grace. Helpful to understand that. So the world is cha challenging, right? So as we pray for our kids next week, we recognize that the world is challenging. Values are not consistent with Jesus. Identity is being challenged. Objective truth is being eroded every single day in, in our culture, especially in our schools. But we're called to be there. I already shared about sheep among wolves. But Timothy says this. This is what First Timothy says. Karen shares this scripture all the time. She's very prophetic, and this is why. It's a powerful scripture. It says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. In other words, there were some prophetic words that came over your life, and now I'm giving you some instruction that's connected with how God wants you to be trained up. Stop being timid, Timothy. But I'm shy. Don't care if you're shy. Got nothing to do with who God says you are. Learn how not to be shy. Right? You see this all the time with kids. It's like, my, my kid's super shy and he doesn't want to look people in the eye when he, shakes, when, when he shakes their hand. Teach him how to do that. Right? Teach them how to look an adult in the eye. Teach them how to answer the phone in a proper way. Teach them how to carry themselves in keeping with who God says they are. Right? So a few protocols for next Sunday, and we're going we're gonna to wrap it up with this, because I think this is helpful. Super uh, appli applicable why? Because we've been talking about what it means to be heirs with Christ, and next week we get to practice this. We get to practice what God has done in us. Now we can minister to people and minister that through us. So just a couple of things. One is, be ready to have it weighed. If you prophesy to somebody, it's not like, oh, my bad, I got it wrong, no biggie. It is a biggie. <laughs> it's, a really, it's a really biggie. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully or judge what is said. But the Bible, you know, Jesus is not all judgy. Yeah, Jesus is judgy, just not in the way you think. Right, why? Because he, he cares about what you're saying that he is saying. One reason why we say, I feel like the Lord is saying, not the Lord is saying. Because we see, through the Bible says we see like through a, 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 a dark window. We see darkly, we see apart, we see in part, we know in part. But God knows it all. But what we do is we share something, and we, we're able, when we share that, we share it and be ready for it to be weighed. We're, we, we ask to record it. We're going to talk about that in a second. We ask you to record it so that you can pray into it. Lots of things. But let me just use an example. This guy comes in. He's, he's a, doing ministry as a prophetic ministry at the church. There's a bunch of people there. He prophesies, a young guy, he prophesies over one of the guys, and he says, um, I see that you um, are doing some terrible things in your finance, and the Lord says you need to quit that or he's going to judge you. So one, what have we already learned? <laughs> He's partnering with the law, not with grace, right? So th that guy was there with his pastor. He brings his pastor up, and he speaks to the prophetic guy in the pastor, and he says, none of that's true, <laughs> right? So he says, um, He's, he's, well, he's an elder in our church. He has a beautiful reputation for being generous. His, his finances are in order. None of those things you said are true. So let's talk about why you just said that publicly and potentially ruined this, man business, this man's business in our city. And he said, well, what I, here's what the prophetic guy said. Well, what I saw was, <laughs> right? What I saw was a dark cloud with a dollar sign in it, right? So I assumed, right, that you were doing something sinful with your finances. So here's, here's, it goes back to it. The revelation is, what did you see, hear, or feel, or sense? What is it? What's the revelation to you? The revelation was a cloud with a dollar sign in it. Dark cloud, rain cloud with a dollar sign in it. What's the next one? Revelation and interpretation. What does that mean? He did not know what that meant, but he tried to tell him anyway. And then the last one is application. What do you do with the revelation, the interpretation? What do they do with it? And so he screwed it up. All he had was a revelation. Had he said to the, to the man, Hey, I see it, a dark cloud with a dollar sign in it. I have no idea what it means. So if I were you, I would pray into that. Or maybe he's praying, going, Lord, what does that mean? Because you can do this. You can pray and ask God, what does that mean? And what do you want me, how do you want me to share this with them? Do you even want me to share them or just to pray for them? And you get into this, and you pray for them, and, and, and you see it all work out. So here's what happened. That next week, one of that guy's high-level employees had been embezzling funds from the account and he didn't know about it and fled the country and had that man done what he'd said you know done it right he would have caught that right away but in, he's trying to defend his reputation in the meantime because the prophetic got it wrong here's what i want you to understand the prophetic word was perfect 
which is why Corinthians speaks to us as the body to go, there's a right way and a wrong way. Learn the right way and, get, and, and do, it, do it well. So here, is it authentic? Is it from God? How do you know it's from God? Is it consistent with Scripture? Is it consistent with the character of God as revealed in the Gospels? In other words, is it grace-based? Is it not Old Testament, the law prophecy? Does it strengthen the centrality of Jesus? Um, does it draw sincere heart towards Jesus? Does it bring strength and unity to the church? Does it edify, encourage, and comfort? Does it confirm what I believe God has been saying to me? Is it something that God has been saying to me in different ways over time? So here's just a couple of action steps, and we're going to wrap it up. Record it. You can just take your phone. There's a memo. If you have an, an iPhone, there's a memo app. Um, if you have an Android, I, I'll pray for you. But I'm sure they probably have one too. <laughs> just kidding. So record it. And then when you record it, review it. Because what we tell anybody who prophesies in our church, people are going to record it. And if they don't, you should. Because you, as a person who's prophesying to someone who's using this inheritance that God's given to you, you can bring it through you. You want to, you want to, do it well. You want to manage it well. So record it, review it, look for a call to action. God says, this is what I want to say to you. What's the call to action? What's your part to co-labor in what God is saying? So next week, if you're a parent in this room and someone gives a prophetic word over your kid, here's what we understand. Because you are in authority as a parent, you must manage that prophetic word for your child until they can manage it for themselves. Does that make sense? So when God says, you know, God... A scripture comes. This scripture, I feel like this scripture is over your, over your baby. We, we did this with, uh, with Callie and Dave when, in, before the baby was even born. And were prophetic words and scriptures are shared, and they're like, oh, that's so cool because God's already said it in different ways. And so, so then they, are, they disciple their child in the way God says they should go. This is who the Lord says Gemma is as an example. And now it's my responsibility to minister that into her, to, to, to give her instruction in keeping with the prophetic words spoken over you, Timothy, right? So pray over it. If you're giving the word, pray over it. If you receive the word, pray over it. Lord, what am I missing? What, do I, what, what am I trying to get? And what you'll find is you'll find this pattern that God keeps saying the same things over and over in your life. And then fight for it. And we said that in 1 Timothy. He said, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies made about you. Why? so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. Why? Because anything powerful is worth fighting for. And anything that God gives you about your, your identity or your destiny, your purpose, what he's going to speak over your kids, the enemy is going to come for that. You need to understand there will be a battle. There will be a battle, especially for your kids. But God says, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, you're in the world, but, but I have good news for you. I've overcome the world, right? So, again, train up a child in the way he should go, not the way you want to. So, finish up with just a, a passage in uh, Ephesians 3.10. There was a phrase that uh, our pastor used to say. He said, pie in the sky when we die or cake on our plate while we wait. So, what is your inheritance? Is your inheritance pie in the sky when you die? Is it fire insurance? Jesus, thank you for saving me. I don't I'm not going to hell, and I'm super excited about that. I hope you are. But is that the only thing you have? So Ephesians 3.10, his intent, God's intent, was that now, not in the future, but now, through the church, you are the church. This building is not the church. It's where the church meets. You are the church. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to who? All the political enemies that you have? <laughs> to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished where? In Christ Jesus. If you're trying to figure your life out and you haven't figured out yet that your life is connected to Jesus, then you're never going to figure your life out. He says that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So I've quoted Hebrews 4.16 a million times. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. What is the therefore, therefore? He's talking about you have a high priest who understands your, your, your challenges. He understands the temptation because he was tempted just like you were. He just didn't sin. But he understands what you're going through. So he can relate and you can relate to him. 
It turns out in church history, there was a time when Jesus was, was known as the victor, right? That was the first, the early church. And then very quickly, it began to move into, he was super intimidating, and he was almost like, you know, he was so powerful, and he's so amazing, and so awful that I could not approach him. So what we did is we said, well, let's talk to his mama, and his mama will talk to him. And it created this whole doctrinal thing that we still struggle with today. Why? Because people did not believe that they could come to Jesus even though they had sinned. Why? Because it's a lie. It's a lie that says you're, you're, you're measured by, gra- uh, by the law and not by grace. And it's not true. So let me just wrap it up with this. Everything, everything, Everything that's connected to your inheritance comes through grace. You didn't earn a single thing. When when you watch some young person whose dad is a billionaire, we always watch and go, that's going to be a train wreck. Why? Because they don't understand the value of all of that money. They never had to earn anything. They never had to struggle. It was just given to them. And so they become trust fund babies. They carry a little dog around in their purse even if it's a guy, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Why? Because they don't really understand who their father is and they don't understand what it cost their father to get them that inheritance. But you do. And if you will lean in and go, Jesus, first of all, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. I could never, this is something I could never do myself. And then realize that every bit of your inheritance is not because of your merit, not because you've done well or done poorly, not because you're praying harder than everybody else or you're doing the, It's not any of those things that will never merit any of the inheritance. The only thing that's going to bring a greater experience, that your grace and peace can, can explode in your life, is your intimacy with God. Wait upon the Lord. Submit yourself, the Bible says, submit yourself to God then resist the devil, and he will flee. Everything that you have in God comes through your relationship with Jesus. And if you know that, you will cultivate your relationship with Jesus more than anything else in the world. You'll walk in the things of the Spirit. You'll wait. You'll go, God, talk to me. Like, but I just sinned this big juicy sin, so God's not going to talk to me. That's not true. And when he talks to you, it reminds you again and again of what grace is like. it's, It's favor that I did not deserve, and it makes me love him more. Amen. So why don't you stand with me? We're, we're done. Come next week ready to receive. We're going we're gonna to have people ready to pray over you, mature believers who are praying for us now. And we're going to have stations where we're just going to connect and we're going we're gonna to say, Lord, what are you saying of these people's lives? And I would encourage you to record it. I would encourage you to be praying this week, maybe even fasting this week, and go, Lord, I want to receive from you. I want reminders. I want confirmation. I want affirmation. Whatever it is that you need from the Lord, that's what he's going to bring next week. So come ready for that, and especially if you're a parent. Come ready to hear what God is saying of your kids, to write those things down, and then to, and to, to invest and minister into those words over your kids, especially as they go out as lambs into, into the world. Jesus says, you're a lamb, but you're a lion. And part of what makes them a lion is that word over them being confirmed and affirmed in their life and getting instruction in keeping with the prophetic words that are over their life. So Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you, first of all, that our inheritance comes through you and only you. Thank you, Lord, that we are co-heirs with you, that everything we have is because you were willing to come and lay your life down on a cross, to live a perfect life, to fulfill the law perfectly on our behalf because we never could. And because of that, Lord, you can give us a gift of righteousness. And when you do that, Lord, nothing stands in the way of my relationship, my intimacy with you. Even if I'm struggling, even if I've just sinned, Lord, none of those things Keep me from walking in relationship with you, Lord. So, Lord, that I would come boldly before your throne for help in time of need, to get rid of the patterns of the flesh and the world and the brokenness, Lord, and to step into the fullness of every bit of inheritance that's been available to me. And, Lord, when I get it, Lord, I can pour it out and I can help other people receive their inheritance from you. And for that, Lord, we're so deeply thankful. In your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we'd love to pray over you and minister to you even prophetically. That's what our team is up here for. Come on up and let us pray for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and be prepared for next Sunday.